everybody, this is Matt Love, and uh, this is another episode of Ask Me Anything with Pastor J.D. Greer. And on this episode, um, we just wanted to kind of uh, give you guys an opportunity to hear from um, one of the moments that Pastor J.D. has tackled a difficult question from the pulpit. He's done that so much over the past 20 years of ministry. Um, so this is an original teaching from a recent sermon that answers the question, what do we preach when we take communion? Let's hop right in. For I received from the Lord Jesus what I also passed on to you. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks for that bread, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took, that, took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. Do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person therefore examine himself before he partakes of this moment. In this way, let him eat the bread, eat the bread and drink the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body, without recognizing what God has created, he eats and drinks judgment unto himself, not blessing. This is why many of you, he says, are sick and ill among you and why many have fallen asleep or died. Verse 33, therefore, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, welcome one another. Now you gotta welcome. It's not just between you and God in this moment. It's between you and other people. There are three words that arise out of Paul's theology of communion that you need to remember in every communion service you're ever a part of. Three words that summarize what is happening in the communion moment when we pass the bread and the cup. Three words which, if we really believed and applied them, y'all would cure so many of our social divisions and our church problems. Number one, they are. Number one, proclamation. Number two, participation. And number three, examination. Here we go. Number one, proclamation, verse 26. Paul says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you see the word? Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm normally thought of as the proclaimer in the church. I stand right here and I proclaim. The Lord's Supper, Paul says, is itself a proclamation. The bread and the cup are like, think of them like visual aids. Visual aids to help you understand the sermon better, help you better reflect on the gospel, a sermon prop. I've told you that my son, Adam, has told me that I need to use more props in my messages. He said to me, Dad, I could pay attention and my friends could too. We would be better if you would just use more props. The Lord's table was itself supposed to be a prop that Jesus instituted to help us understand the gospel that is being proclaimed. Now, what is it that is being proclaimed in the bread and the cup? The first thing that these elements proclaim is that we need to be saved. Every time we hold these up, that's what we're saying. As Paul notes, on the night before Jesus died, Jesus held up the bread and said, this is my body, which is broken for, your, for, for the forgiveness of your sins. If salvation could have been obtained any other way, Jesus would not have had to die. If salvation could have been obtained through good works, Jesus would not have had to die. If there really were multiple ways to get to heaven, Jesus would not have had to die. Sometimes people think they're being cultured and generous when they say, oh, yes, yes, yes. Jesus is my personal way to get to heaven, but I'm sure that God accepts other ways. 
Just be a good person. Be sincere in your religion. Be kind to people, and then God will accept you. That may feel kind and generous and cultured to you, but do you realize what kind of insult that is to Jesus? Jesus prayed on the night that he died, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass for me. And you're telling me that God the Father was like, well, yeah, there actually are other ways. There are multiple ways to get to me, but I'm still gonna make you die. What an insult to Jesus. This cup and this bread proclaim you need to be saved and there's only one way that that can happen. Being sincere is not enough. You must be born again from above. Salvation is not something you work up from within. It's something given to you from above. You need to be saved by Jesus. Second, the bread and the cup proclaim that you can be saved. Not just that you need to be, but you can be. Jesus did not add any qualifiers to the word you when he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Which means if you are a you, he's talking to you. Sometimes people think, well, not me. My sins were too flagrant. My sins were too shameful. I turned away from God too many times. Not true. This is my body, which is broken for you. If you're a you, he's talking to you. Maybe you've gotten some messed up view of Calvinism. My wife says she was like this for many years. And so you think, well, I must not be one of the elect. Not true. This is my body, Jesus said. If you're listening to me right now, this body was broken for you. If you are hearing this right now, it can be for you. Jesus said, whosoever will may come and eat of the bread of life freely. I'm sure glad he said whosoever, because if he had listed out certain kinds of sinners, I probably would have figured out, wondered if my sin was included in that list. In saying whosoever, he means anyone from anywhere, no matter what mistakes you've done, no matter what sins or shame you bring. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I remember hearing when I was a teenager, put your name in that verse. For God so loved, put your name in there, Justin or Rachel, that if Justin believes in Jesus, Justin will not perish. But Justin will have eternal life. His death is sufficient for you. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and any sinner plunged beneath that flood loses all their guilty stain. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sin away. There is a place at this table for you. No matter who you are, what you've done, no matter what kinds of failures or struggles you bring into this moment, you might be the biggest sinner in our city. You might be the biggest sinner in this state. If we knew who you were, we'd probably get nervous and hold our kids and our possessions a little closer to us. There's a place at this table for you. One of the greatest feelings to be in high school was when I'd come into the, the lunchroom. It's packed for lunch and, and there's nowhere to sit. One of my friends would wave at me and be like, hey, over here, we got a seat for you. We saved you a seat. Jesus saved a seat at his table for you. And he invites you to sit there right by him. Third, we proclaim that, that suffering and death are not the end. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. See this? Until he comes again. In this world, good people live with hardship. Sometimes they're poor. Sometimes good people are poor. This table proclaims death is not the end. Poverty's not the end. That's not the measure of your life. Jesus rose and he's going to return again. And then everything's different. Eberhard Arnold is an um, early church scholar, wrote a book called The Early Christians in Their Own Words. He says that one of the favorite worship postures of the early church, one they would use when they sang and one they would use in communion was to worship with their arms outstretched. 
but not this way, not like we do it. They would do it this way, horizontally, imitating the posture of the cross. For them, it was, he said, the ultimate posture of triumph. The cross, what looked and felt like death, was part of God's great triumph in eternity. The gospel says to the poor or the sick, you're not gonna be poor or sick forever. Jesus is gonna return in triumph and then you're gonna feast at the marriage supper of the lamb and there will be no more pain and no more crying. The gospel says to the oppressed, you're not gonna be oppressed forever. The righteous judge is gonna return and he's gonna make all things right. To the lonely, to the lonely and to those who feel abandoned, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I've just gone to prepare a place for you and I'm gonna come again and take you into my home where you will be with me forever. This table proclaims that in our hardship, like Jesus's cross, we are experiencing the good plan of God, him bringing that into the world. So he says, don't look down on the poor. They're not poor because they did something wrong or because they weren't good enough to make it. Jesus was poor. And that was all part of God's good, good, good plan. Fourth, this table proclaims that this church is first and foremost a community of the forgiven. If the above is true, that we all need to be saved and that all of us can be saved, and that poverty and suffering are not the measure of our lives, riches are not the reward for the righteous, and poverty is not the curse for the unrighteous. These are just temporary states that God has assigned to us to bring salvation into the world, soon to be overturned by his coming. That ought to create a profound sense of equality around this table. Am I right? Religious pride has no place at this table. Where is boasting, Paul says? We are first and foremost sinners who have been redeemed. For by grace, he said, we've all been saved through faith, all of us. And not even that was from ourselves. Even that was the gift of God. It's not of works so that nobody has any room to boast. All our best righteousness, the prophet Isaiah said, it's just like a filthy, diseased rag. The best thing you can think of that you've ever done in God's sight, like a filthy, diseased rag. The blood of Jesus is the only hope for the best of us and the certain hope even for the worst of us. The Lord's Supper was fashioned after the Passover meal the Jews celebrated. In the Passover, the Jews reflected on the fact that they were all slaves until God delivered them. There were no classes of slaves. There were not rich slaves or poor slaves or good-looking slaves, well-educated slaves, ugly slaves, just slaves who needed to be freed. Race or, or, or pride has no place at this table. Classism has no place around this table. In God's eyes, we're one class, Poor, wretched, helpless, and blind when he saved us. If you've seen the movie Titanic, you know that the whole boat was divided up into class sections. Rich people up here, poor people down there. One could not get to the other. Jack and Rose can't be friends. They have to eat in separate dining rooms, hang out on different decks. This next part wasn't in the movie, but after the Titanic sank, back in America, people were wondering if their loved one who had been on the boat had been rescued or drowned. The New York Times printed two columns of passengers. And the only headings were lost and saved. There were no other distinctions because in that moment, that's all that mattered. Wasn't first class lost, first class saved, just lost and saved. Everything else was inconsequential. At this table, we recognize that at our core, we are sinners that God saved. Pride and classism does not exist around this table. Racial division has no place around this table. Yes, God created the various ethnicities of the world as a, a panoply of his beauty. But in our most fundamental sense, we're all the same. At our most fundamental level, there's only one race, the human one. Men and women made in the image of God, we all got the same problem, sin. We all have one hope, the blood of the resurrection of Jesus. 
that by itself should have destroyed racism at its core. Jesus didn't die as a white man or a black man or a Latino. He died as the representative of all humanity. And when he was raised from the dead, he wasn't raised as a Jew or a Greek or a white man or a black man. He was raised as the Lord of all mankind. One of the biggest failures of the church in America was that, was that in large part, the church, at least the majority part of the church, did not lead the way in the civil rights movement. And we should have. Because of all people, we had the gospel that taught us that we're all equal. The Lord's table by itself should have destroyed all that. One race of people made alike in the image of God with one common problem, sin, and a common hope, Jesus. Dr. Clarence Jordan, who was a Baptist preacher in Sumter County, Sumter County, Georgia, in the early 1960s, he said it, he said it this way. He said, the thing that breaks my heart, the thing that breaks my heart is that, is that, is that the Supreme Court is coercing pagans to act more Christian than the Bible is compelling Christians to act like Christians. I can hardly stand it when I see the integration struggle being fought, not in the household of God, but in the buses, the depots, and around Woolworth tables. We're arguing about whether or not we can sit down and eat hamburgers and drink Cokes together when we ought to have been sitting around Jesus' table drinking the wine and eating the bread together. Listen to this. The sit-ins never would have been necessary if Christians had been sitting down together in church at Christ's table all those many years. The gospel is a sermon. It is a proclamation that destroys all these divisions. All right, everybody, that was Pastor J.D. answering the question, what do we preach when we take communion? And just as a reminder, you can always find more teaching from Pastor J.D. at his website, jdgreer.com. And you can get up-to-date resources by following him on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything.